Hey guys, I'm Margie. And I'm Rachel. And we are the co-hosts of Textual Tension, a love-hate relationship with romance novels. We're just two romantic saps who overthink and overanalyze our favorite genre of literature, the romance genre. Have you ever wondered what you would do if you went over to your significant other's place and they'd made an exact replica of your house in their apartment for you to stay in? Have you ever wondered where the doorway to Atlantis is off of the Florida coast? Have you ever wondered about maybe the science behind time travel and how you can use it to take someone's virginity? Have you ever wondered how a man who kills everyone they touch can still manage to lose their virginity? So have we. So join us every other week as we sit down and explore all of these topics and more as we unpack what just Just happened. happened. Look for us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Oh, and we discuss some pretty explicit stuff. Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches sometimes read romance. Um, hi, I'm Jess. <laughs> I'm Kat. And we're back. Um, we are here to uh, read and review, well, we already read it, uh, but we're going to review The Beast of Beswick by Emily Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into that, however, we want to remind you to follow us on our social media. All of that is going to be linked down in the show notes. Um, we no longer have a blog because we're bad at it, so we axed that design. We were so bad at it. I don't know why. Um, Maybe we just hate blogging. <laughs> blogging is the worst? Yeah. I can't write for shit. That's probably why. Uh <laughs> Just going to put it out there. Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, we're a little rusty, so bear with us. It's been two months since we've been on microphone. Has it only been two months? Yes, but it feels like a lifetime. That's because it's just been a million years since we were allowed to do anything. Yeah. 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 But uh, we've got some things in the pipeline that we want to get done, uh, that we want to do. Uh, we're looking at getting a Patreon started, so we'll let you know when that goes. Yeah, uh, we're pretty excited about that. We've got an awesome lineup of books. We have figured out what we're going to read for every episode until January. Yeah, we have like super planned everything and we feel super bad that we haven't been able to post. Like it wasn't because we didn't want to see each other or anything. I got sick. Yeah, Jess got real sick and had like a COVID scare. Yep. And then my family had a COVID scare. Yep. And just, it was just not, you know... We're, it's just not a good time. We're currently in the bad place, and it sucks. Um, so weird. But now, we're both not sick. We yes. both somehow tested negative. I don't know how. I had symptoms. They sat on my test for a month. I think they're lying to me. See, and I got my antibody test, and it came back negative, too. Yeah. So, apparently, we're sick, but we're not sick sick. Um, or we were. We're not sick right now. Shout out to not having Verona. Um, that sucked a lot. Yeah. I was quarantined in my house for two solid weeks. It felt like I was going to expire at any time. It was just a bad time. It was. But it's we're, just been a bad time. We're back. And uh, we've got yeah. some exciting stuff in the pipeline. Um, and as like an apology, we're going to do one episode a week for August. So stuff you guys. Yeah. Well, we're going to do that as kind of an apology for having been gone for two months. And also, um, Bookstore Romance Day is still happening. Which is crazy to It's me. going to be virtual this year, which is really sad and upsetting. Um, I haven't been to mostly books 
outside of just the parking lot in a really long time. Um, I it's miss so you guys. Weird. It's so weird. It is. It's bizarre. And they're so bizarre. sweet. If you're looking to order books, email them. They will email you their, right away. <laughs> their website link is always in our show notes. Always. Yeah, they're um, awesome. They are our favorite place to shop for books. They are local. They're independent. We adore them. Hello, ladies. We love you. Um, <laughs> but yes, if you want to shop from them, um, they do online um, orders. They do online delivery kind of mm-hmm. a thing. So if you're local in Tucson, you can order and pick it up curbside because that's yes, it's awesome. how things are working now. Yeah. That's it's, all I do now. Everything is curbside. I don't really dig when people, like, they have the the contactless thing, and they're like, just open your trunk. I don't like that. No? I, I don't know why. I want to pull up, pop the trunk, <laughs> deuces <laughs> out the window, and leave. I don't know. Some of this works really, really well, and some of this does not work well. We're contactless here at work. It's very strange. And it's stupid because it doesn't work the way they want it to work. Everything is bass backwards. Everything is scary. Um, stay safe. That's really all we can say is stay safe, wear a mask, um, wash your damn hands. Y'all nasty if you don't wash your hands. Please wash your hands. Um, but yeah, so I guess now we'll get into the book. Yes. Yay. Um, so we read The Beast of Beswick by Emily Howard. Um, I read this in May. I read this early because I bought a bunch of our books early. So I think I read this in like April. Yeah, you read it way early. I read it. I'm looking at my notes here. I keep a reading journal like a nerd. And I read it. I started it on May 21st and I finished it on June 1st. Um, I would like to preface this by saying this is around the time that I got sick. Yeah. And totally understandable. You just couldn't do things. Um, Yeah. Our next book took me a solid 21 days to read. You struggled with the next one. No, well, I struggled with the one after that. I feel like you just struggled in general. I was so sick. (laughs) With our our before pandemic picks. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. We'll do a triple P. But I think, though, in all fairness, I have struggled with a lot of things Mm -hmm. since having gotten sick. Um, It's just a lot of change, and it's a lot of things that nobody can do literally anything about. Yeah. And especially uh, if people aren't listening who live in Arizona, know that Arizona is a shit show right now. Everything it's, sucks. Every day we have different, you know, executive orders. And our governor can't do shit all for anything. Just, well, he won't. Because he can't make a decision. He's a giant dick. Um, we're not going to get political, though. So. <laughs> but we will say that. And I'm going to say it because I'm an educator and I'm not again. Um, Kat, unfortunately, has to start teaching again. Um, yeah. I have to go to work, guys. I won't see kids, but I have to go to work. I'm pretty upset about it. I'm going to be very honest it's with you. It's weird. It's not fair uh, to the kids or to the teachers. I'm not a babysitter. I hate that we get treated like babysitters. That was why the whole Red for Ed thing was going on. And it's just, it's harder to teach online, especially my subject, which is reading. Yeah. Because a lot of that is interactive discussion in my classroom for my age group. Yeah. And you just don't get to do that. It's not fun. It's weird. It sucks. Um, I work for a company that barely gave us a training guideline on how to clean things. And it's we got way off topic. Yeah, a lot of that's That's just filling in a lot of how the last, like, 
few weeks it's been, I guess. It's been madness, and I don't like it. Yeah. It's, I, I don't think a five-month summer vacation is great for my mental health, is what I've learned. Um, Partly because it wasn't always a vacation. I was still working. Teachers were still working. Yeah. I for two months. would like to say that all of June is a wash. Um, oh, this year, birthdays don't count, you guys. We, my family has decided our birthdays don't count. You're staying the age you are because this is bullshit. <laughs> Such bullshit. So, you know, if you are, you know, on the brink of turning 30, like my, my you know, brother-in-law, you're not going to be 30. You're going to be 29 until next year. Wait, so that means I get to be 34 until next year? I don't get to stay 30. I'm so down to stay 34 because I'm See? really upset about turning 35 this year. Okay, so problem solved. We'll just celebrate 35 next year and we're all in a better fit space. <laughs> when we don't have to wear masks everywhere we go. I've collected so many masks. I can freely cough and say it's allergies and people will be like, that's fair. I just feel like I'm going to swap them out every day. It's going to be great. I, I have a new mask every day. Every day. I have a new mask for every day. I started trying to find there. fun ones because I got really tired of just boring ones. Yeah. But you know, whatever. I decided I'm not making any more. <laughs> I don't blame you. All right. Um, so the book. <sighs> we we should... might need to cut out a lot of them. That's fine. I can do that. That's okay. not a big problem. Beast of Bessick. Here we go. Am I reading this? Oh, the yes. Part? Go ahead and read the back part. Okay. So here we go. Lord Nathaniel Hart, the disagreeable Duke of Beswick, spends his days smashing porcelain, antagonizing his servants, and snarling at anyone who gets too close. With a ruined face like his, it's hard to like much about the world. Especially smart-mouthed harpies, with lips better suited to kissing than speaking, who brave his castle with indecent proposals. But... Lady Astrid Everly will stop at nothing to see her younger sister safe from a notorious scoundrel, even if it means offering herself up on a silver platter to the forbidding beast of Beswick himself. And by offer, she means what no high-born lady of sound and sensible mind would ever dream of, a tender marriage with her as his bride. Oh my god. Can I just say... We have a horrible track record with historical <laughs> romances set in Regency era. Right. We, we just don't read them very highly. We don't like them because it's we're too, too much. Well, we're too fairly, I mean, we're feminist women. We have strong ideals. That does cause a lot of problems because when you read like Victorian era or Regency or just really historicals in general. Women don't have rights. It's, like, boring. And, like, oh, you've come to save me. And it's, like, no. It's yeah. boring. It can get so, so boring. Um, but, um... There's, we have some good feelings on this one. We have some solid feelings on this you. one. I rated this one fairly high for a Regency. Good! Um, so this was one that you were, like, I'm so worried about. So I was like, no, you're gonna like it. And you're like, are you sure? Kat read this one and finished it a while before I did. Yeah, I blew through all of our books, and then we couldn't record anything. I was like, cool. <laughs> cool, I have nothing to do. I felt so bad, but I also, like I said, felt like I was going to just expire on my couch and into a giant lump of blankets. It's like We're going to see, see how much of a steel trap my memory is. So oh. it's fine. Um, yeah, bear with us. It's been a while. Uh, but we have notes, though. We have, we have our, in the books in front of us. Yes, we have our trusty list, as always. 
Because we always make a list because <laughs> we are two list makers. Cat more than me. It would be wrong to not make a list. It would be. Uh, so first thing on the list, this is a fairy tale retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Which I guess we could have guessed from the title Beast of Beswick, but honestly with Regencies you never know what you're getting. No. So it could have it could have gone a very different way than it, it did. Totally could have. Yeah. How do you feel about fairy tale retellings? I don't often read them on purpose. Okay. Um, every once in a while I'll read like a short story version of a retelling, but that's generally where they've changed it to like Greek mythology or you know, something like that where it's it's extremely different. This is not extremely different. No. At all. No. Because it's kind of the same era. Yep. And it's kind of it's not even modern. It's like a feminist retelling yes. of a very feminist story already. Um, which is a weird thing to say about a Disney early Disney movie. Oh, yeah. But it definitely is. It, Before, feminism was, like, a, a big deal kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? For, for our generation. Yeah. Um, I actively seek out fairy tale retellings. You do. They are some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite series, the first book is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. The second book is a Hades and Persephone retelling. Okay, okay. Solid. Love so, it. when you realize this was a retell, you're like, okay. I was more into it. I will say that. knowing it was a regency. Because you were yeah. kind of dreading this one, if I remember correctly. I was. Because you're was. like, I just hate regency. <laughs> because I don't like that the women can't wear fucking pants. Just let her wear a pair of pants. They can if they're pirates. <laughs> I would read a pirate romance. Can I just tell you? Okay. But I've I want been, her to be the pirate, not him. Okay. I've been so bored. That I've been reading on that stupid radish app. Yes. Okay. I found two series okay. that are worth your time. Okay. For at least the first five series of those series, right? Okay. One of them is a pirate one. And it starts out like you're like, no, I don't like this. <laughs> but then there's a lady pirate and then a possible love triangle and then some lesbian. <gasps> and I was like, what is this? Like, what? And it's pretty well written. We are going to discuss this off mic when we yeah. go to get snack makings and dinner. Yeah. No, that's really fine. But just because I had said the pirate thing, and I was like, oh, wait, I did read the pirate thing. I'm still reading it, actually, but whatever. I'm into all of that. Yeah. So. Um, but yes, I actively seek out fairy tale retellings. Uh-huh. I think that you can do them very well. And really bad. Well, you can do them very terribly as well. Yeah. They can be really painful. Um, I have read a couple of those. But I've also read some really solid, mm-hmm. really good ones. Yeah. Um, like I said, two of my favorite out of the three of my favorite books are fairy tale retellings, and they're phenomenal. I want some more obscure retellings, though. Like, um, okay, not where it's like the same exact thing, but a slightly different character. Yeah, I want. So I have um, a book in there. It's an Arthur retelling. Okay. And Arthur is a female, and it's a science fiction in space. It's oh, a space opera. Okay. Okay. I haven't read it yet, but it's in there because I wanted something different. But if like just like a retelling of the Sword in the Stone or some shit, give me something obscure. If you have a really obscure fairy tale retelling, that's good. That's Not good. That you're gonna make us want to hate you. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be romance for me. I'll I will read whatever. <laughs> if you have it. Send it to me in an email, comment on Twitter, whatever you got to do. 
just send that information to me. I want it immediately right now. I will devour it and be happy. And those are kind of hard, like the retail kind of stuff, because people get so stuck in what the character is. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's because a lot of these fairy tales are really cultural. Yeah. So they get really stuck in that, but they can be translated really well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. If you are a good author. I think that with this one being essentially exactly like Beauty and the Beast, that it was done very well. I think so, too. It wasn't one that I was going, ugh. There were some some differences, though. Mm -hmm. Our beast, you know, isn't isn't a prince. Nope. He's, like, a general. Well, he's a lord. Right, but he's in a war. He was in a war. Yeah. Um, What was his actual title, though? Wasn't he a duke? I'm pretty sure he's he's the Duke of Bestwick. Yeah. He says right well, we read it and I didn't listen. Okay. Well, there you go. He's a So, yeah. But I think it worked really well. And we'll go into the second point. It worked really well because both parties were super smart. Both Astrid and Thane. Yeah. In their own ways, which is, first of all, I want, okay. The name Thane as a shortened version of Nathaniel really threw me for a loop towards the end. I have never and heard I was that like, ever. What? And he was like, well, it's a childhood name. I was like, fuck. Like, okay. I remember texting you and going, wait, 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 wait. His name was Nathaniel this whole time? Yeah. And you're like, yep. And I went, wait, 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 why? Why? But, why? like, it worked. For the purpose here, it worked. It, it did. It's a really, like, weird, out of left field kind of thing. I had never heard it. Um, yeah, it just kind of threw me for a second. I was like, wait, what? Okay. But I accepted it. I, it didn't upset me too much because I accepted it. I didn't. So, like, sometimes when I read and I find out, like, someone's name. You hate it more. I'm like, oh, I hate this a lot. Yeah. Like, there are books where I'm just like, Or if they stupid. go by a nickname that doesn't fit the story or doesn't yeah. fit them as a character, you're like, why did you do this? That would be like someone calling me Jesse. And you're like, that's not my name. We all know that's not my name, and I don't yeah. go by it. We just, just, we don't. Someone called me that one time, and if another friend was with me, and they went, well, excuse me? That's not her name. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Um, anyways, so what's really nice, what we were going for, was that throughout this book, you don't have the disparity between the characters where someone is a lot smarter or more appreciated because of their smarts versus the other person's looks, or the brawn versus the brains. And there was which is like a really classic kind of offset. Yeah. Know? Well, and a lot of times too, um, the female character, the heroine, is looked down upon for having an education, even a small bit of an education. She can read, and all she does is read. And I'm like, yeah, and that's great. That means she's not going to get stuck in your shitty life. Yeah. And we had Astrid, who was very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Very, very intelligent. And then we had Thane, who was also fairly intelligent. In very different ways. Like, he couldn't give a shit how much antiques were worth, but she spent a lot of her time learning about antiques. And that was, like, one of the things that made it more interesting. Yeah, because his father had collected what was, like, Ming Dynasty yeah. pottery. Yeah. And he, she comes in because of reasons. Um, she comes in and he's throwing the pottery and playing like badminton with it. His poor like staff, <laughs> like they're all kind of jerks to him, but he like really deserves it. 
But they're like, please stop destroying all of the priceless artifacts. And he's like, I don't care. I fucking hate this stuff. And yeah. He's like, okay. His, he loved this more than he loved any of us. So why does it matter? And Astrid comes in and is like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I'll take over and I'll help you sell it kind of a thing. If you give me the job, I'll help you sell it. The whole reason she goes to him is because her little sister, Isabel, is being married off by her terrible aunt and uncle mm-hmm. to this guy. I don't even remember his name. I don't even know that we give a shit what his name is. Um, I just know that she didn't want that to happen because when she had had her season, um, her first season out, she was going to marry this guy and he was awful. He was real slimy. And he told everybody that they had sex together and she was this horrible woman. Which is like this huge crime. Yeah, it ruined her. It ruined her and she wasn't ever able to find anybody. She's Mm -hmm. essentially a spinster. She's like, what, 28, I think? She's a little bit older. I think so. Yeah, she was older. Which, like, as of this day and age, we're like, no, you're fine. 20, whatever, whatever. you're good. But they're like, you are too old to be married. Who's going to even look at you? Yeah. Which is, first of all, really rude. Well, she realizes that if her sister gets married to this guy, the aunt and uncle are going to make boatloads of money because they've gambled it all away. They've spent all of their parents' money. They have nothing. Which is also, like, a huge issue in a lot of regencies. Mm-hmm. There's, like, extended family that is, like the guardian to these kids and they just like blow through their whole inheritance. Like it's all gone. An estate gets destroyed. All of their holdings everywhere have to be sold. It's like, like the only thing is the horse, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. Well, they also had trusts. Both of the girls had a trust. And so she's waiting until she's old enough to get the trust. She's almost Maybe there. Maybe she's 26. I think she's... I can't remember how old she was. I know she's older than... I'm gonna we look, but I can't guarantee that it matters that I look. You look. Um, but she runs off. Astrid runs off to Thane because she knows if she gets married before Isabel, she is now in charge of Isabel, and they will get the trust money. And she kind of figures, well... Who can I marry and give an heir to who is most likely not being courted by someone else? She's not saying he ugly no, and and he doesn't have anyone to pick from. She's saying, like... He has status. Mm-hmm. He has all of the holdings that she needs. He's intimidating. And he's intimidating on top of all of the holdings. Yeah, people are scared of him. Well, because he's rude. He's He has been severely injured. He's very scarred. Um, and he uses that to his advantage in getting what he wants, like people to go away and to leave him the fuck alone. Um, but she's, she's used her intelligence to kind of weasel her way into his life. And, uh, he kind of lets it happen, but not really. He's kind of like, whatever. She's 25 turning 26. And then she gets the money. What age? She either, to get the money. She, it's when she turns 26 or she's married. And she's a year away from turning 26. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Not 28. I mean, but we were close. It's better than she's 21. Whatever. Wait, whatever. Okay. But um, that's kind of nice to see that she's, she's smart. I was very happy that we had a woman who had an education and was like, yeah. Off. And I was also really happy that we had a, her- a hero who did not care that she was very smart. 
Not in that I don't care that you're intelligent, but in that I'm glad you have an education. I just don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Like good, like, for, good you. for you, whatever. Good for you. I'm glad Which you can hold your own. This is the problem we had with the other regencies, um, where the girl had pretended to be a boy and it was a cross-dressing thing and not a trans thing. Yes, right. The Camp Sebastian. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's a separate. Like, there's a lot of issues there. We just but, chose the wrong cat stash. But we just didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. This is much different. This was a lot of being told and shown that we have two very intelligent characters. Mm-hmm. Um, in very different ways. Yes. In very different ways. So, like, let's go into the different ways. We know that she is really good with antiquities. Yep. She's very intelligent in that she understands feminism at this time. Which is a huge in its own right movement. Yeah. It wasn't the same as like what the feminist movement in like the sixties and eighties and two like early twenty ten. The suffragettes. Like all of those are very different. This is one in which women were demanding any form of education. Yes. They were demanding to be published writers yep. as women, not as their husbands. Mm-hmm. And they were making, like, scientific discoveries. And so she's very well-read because she's read feminist writing that has been published. So she's, like, on the brink of, like, the feminist era. Yes. And he is smart in a different way in that he has an indoor fucking pool in the Regency. Okay, who just studies aqueducts and is like, I can do that? <laughs> and not just who studies it in that I can get water into the home, but then I can heat that water. That was crazy too. Cause it's like light the fires, and it's like what you ha- you have a heated pool. You have not only an in indoor mansion. pool in the Regency era, but you have a heated pool. My hometown didn't get a heated pool until I was ten. And like he needs it clearly because he was also in the military. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, in charge of a group of people, and he just tore up. He faced a dozen soldiers with bayonets face first. Because someone had abandoned their post. Yes. And we'll get to that. That's Because it comes full circle. And you're like, everything comes full circle in this book, and I liked it. I also like that. The circular storytelling is one of my favorite, um, like, storytelling devices. Yeah. And when it's really well done... It's just such a good read because you're like, oh my god, no loose ends. It's so satisfying. Like. It's so satisfying. I hate when there's loose ends. This had a very satisfying ending. Yeah. And we will talk I was about happy. that. I was so happy about it. Uh, what else do we got? We, we're, we're just speeding on through here. Man, we really are. It's for I would like to say we're speeding through this because Kat has pink hair dye in her hair. I'm not too worried about it. It's just going to get to a level and then stay there. So. I mean, it'll just stop at some it'll point. Be fine. It's fine. It's it might not be crunchy. It'll be, yeah, we'll wash so it. It's fine. Water. I'm also thinking about the Rice Krispies we're making later. Is that why we're blind? <laughs> no. Okay, so these Rice Krispies, though, are going to have Oreos crushed into them. I'm super stupid. I'm so excited. So stupid. It's so dumb. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. How about rebuilding yourself after trauma? This is, man, this is a tough one because these two people have had super significant traumas. Hers was that not only was she sexually assaulted, Mm -hmm. but then the person who sexually assaulted her lied to everyone about her and her character and her morals and made it so that no one wanted to touch her. Yeah. No one wanted to marry her. So she became, in their society, 
just this huge failure, right? And so try to pick yourself up for that and try to honor your parents or honor your, your sister and protect your sister. Yeah. That's like a huge deal because she's really angry that this man he's going to supposedly going to marry your sister is this awful person who treated her so poorly. Because you never want to see your family treated like shit. Well, and you don't want to see your abuser trying to infiltrate your family. Right. And she does talk about how she kind of lost herself and was kind of describing just, like, depression Yeah. after all that happened because she, she felt like what was tied to her worth didn't exist anymore. Yeah. And, and she thought she liked it. And Thane had a similar situation. You know, he has to come back from near death. I mean, he almost died. The, okay, the descriptions of, so he was a good-looking dude, right? Yeah. And then he went off to war, and then he came back, and it said that he's so disfigured, which actually, when they described, he doesn't sound like that. No. But he's so disfigured with so much scarring from cauterizing, like, old-school cauterizing. Yep. Um, with, like, gunpowder and metal and shit, that his father dies of a heart attack. And that's how his dad died. And that's traumatic. That's so traumatic. So, like, he's already traumatized. He's already disfigured. And then his dad suddenly dies, and they blame him. Well, more he blames himself, because his aunt is, like... Yeah, pick yourself up, dude. Like, you can't just, like, sulk around your house forever. His aunt is the best. His brother, I don't... I don't understand his brother as much because he's like, I never blamed you. I never blamed you. And yeah, but I don't. I feel like there was other stuff going on. There. I think a lot of it was self-loathing on his own part. I mean, he came back. He was good looking. He knew he was good looking before the war, and then he came back and he looked totally different than himself. And he had to reconcile with that. And a lot of people can't handle that. Yeah, it's hard. I think for people who have a very different physical appearance, even if it's not from a traumatic experience, um, but feeling unaccepted in society really just destroys your self-esteem when you're already dealing with other internal issues, and I think that's where he was. Well, and made him not feel worthy of love, and that's kind of, you know, common in, in these books. Yeah, it's pretty common for that. I think, too, though, they both process their trauma differently. He got very angry. He became like a recluse. And yeah, and, and like to protect himself. Yeah, and then he was she, she was depressed. But then she's like, fuck you guys, I'll do all the shit a man can do now. Because she went outside and got some of that vitamin D. I once had a doctor tell me, you wouldn't be so depressed if you went outside more. Oh, I'm sorry, what? I live in Arizona, I get so much vitamin D. I'm. I'm if I go but outside I mean, anymore, I'll be sunburnt. Part of that is true. Yeah. You know, and part of that is like, okay, well. That is an imbalance There's only in your brain. so much vitamin D my body can handle. Exactly. So. Um, but I think in the end, they both kind of came together in a way that helped them through their traumas. It was very interesting because they had very parallel storylines. Mm-hmm. They had the destruction that's not self-imposed. And then they have the way that they deal with it. And then they have the issue of coming together when they're clearly fighting it, but also really liking each other. Because, like, she's she's at first afraid of him, but then she's, like, really down. And it's like, that was a big turn. But the turning point of when that happened, when she realized that she was real down, it was kind of when she caught him naked in the pool. 
Which I think is so funny. Because I mean, like, fair? I mean, but, like, same? So in their, like, parallel storylines and their plots, they, they discuss, like, how they've survived the trauma and rebuilt from that trauma. But they both come to the same conclusion that they're not worthy of a significant other. And yeah. he's like, physically, I'm ugly. I have a bad attitude. No one wants to be around me. And she's like, yo, it's because you're kind of a dick sometimes, but you're not actually a dick. And then she's like, well, why would anyone want to be around me? My, you know, my reputation is so awful. And he's like, well, my reputation can't get worse. And so then they kind of build from there. Yeah. There's a little bit of a roller coaster towards, like, towards the, the end. end. Yeah. Where they're still fighting because he doesn't want to have children. Even though that was a stipulation of them getting married, which I thought was interesting. He didn't want children because he didn't want his kids to have to grow up with a beast of a father. And, like, get the bad reputation from his reputation. But you can, like, a child being born to a parent who is, quote-unquote, disfigured, if you will. Or just different in general. That kid's not going to know until you tell them. That kid's just like, that's my dad. That's normal. Yeah. And I think that's just something that he had to deal with. But then, as all that is going on, they have the little sister, Isabel, yeah. who, in, like, a weird, cool we, move... We forgot to write that down. ...just leaves. She Okay, so Isabel and Astrid yep. go to the Duke of Bestwick, and they're like, yo, we need a place to stay. And he's out of town, so they just kind of move in. And all the servants love them. Oh, yeah. They're, they're like, we're singing, we're playing music, we're cooking great food, all this stuff. Right? Hell they're yeah. Having a good time. And then he comes back and like, well, I can't throw them out. Yep. So to remedy this so it doesn't look bad, because she did this on purpose and was like, well, it looks like I'm living in your house, so you're going to have to marry me. So he calls his his aunt, mm-hmm. and she arrives to be the chaperone, right? He's like, you have to have a proper chaperone. She is the greatest thing ever. We're going to talk more about her. But she's like... The wacky aunt that you have, but in Regency times, and it's so confusing. But so they move in, and she's like, Isabel, I'm gonna marry the Duke of Bestwick, I'm gonna fix this, we're gonna be saved. And Isabel's like, I really don't want you to do that for me. Yeah. And she's like, No, listen, let me take care of you, this solves all of our problems, don't go back with our creepy uncle, because he's a giant jerk. Mm-hmm. And then Isabel's like, You know what? Fine. But she's kind of lying. Because then she just disappears. She runs away. She's just gone. She's just gone. And she goes back to the uncle, who has kind of swayed her. Yep. But we also don't know that Isabel has a thought process of her own. And she's like, I'm going to kind of milk this. I'm going to get a season. I'm going to pick the person he promised I could. And she's kind of trusting him where you probably shouldn't. But that all seems to work out of thing because then she she's like totally in love with someone who um, was in the like battalion that the yeah. Bestwick was in charge of. Total twist. Too. So we're all okay. Well, but like, so she runs off, and at first I was kind of like, Isabel is just they're gonna go rescue her. It's gonna be a disaster. She's a child. She doesn't fully understand. It's just whatever. I don't really like her. But then she pulls that bitch and move at the ball where I'm like. Yeah. What? And then the aunt is like, uh, Astrid, she grew up with you as a role model. Why would she do something stupid if you've never shown her to be stupid? Yeah. And Astrid's like, oh. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I raised her. Um, so, yeah, Isabel ends up twist ending. Not really. Twist ending on Isabel's part. She actually gets a book. 
the next book is Isabel's book. Which is great because it sounded like it was a good match. Yes. Yeah. And I want to read that book when it comes out. But um, in a twist, they go to this ball and... A masquerade ball. A masquerade ball. Yes. And she's like, Isabel's not here. Where's Isabel? And then Isabel shows up with this dude. She's like, you don't have to marry the Beast of Bestwick because I married this guy. And it, like, throws her into everyone's plans. Yeah. Because the creepy dude is like, you what? Yep. So I want to also say at the beginning of this book, I definitely thought that Astrid was going to marry the slimy dude to protect her sister from him. I'm glad she didn't. Oh, no, me too. But I was, the first couple of chapters, I was a little confused. I was Because scared. I thought that was the direction it was going. Oh, that was And it was going to be about, he was the beast because he was, like, oh. a bad attitude dude, and she's going to change him. But then it didn't happen that way. It was much better. Can we also, though, let's talk about, it's not on our list, but let's talk about it. No one had to change anyone. It was more about kind of quelling your insecurities. It was them changing and themselves. Kind of feeding each other's positive side. Yeah. And like bringing that forward. And that's not that's also not really something you see in romance novels, which is really unfortunate. We should see more of that. Yeah. Because often it's like, well you're so this or you're so that and you have to change. And I think that's one of those times where I kind of lose interest in the character because it falls flat. Because changing for someone else to love you is not a great way to keep someone's love. No. Compromising, however. Compromising. If you have, like, an actual difficult flaw within you. Yeah. And you know you need to work on it. And you're working on it with someone else. That's the compromise. That's fantastic. But if you're like, well, they'll like me so much better if I do this. Like, that's not how real life works. Um, we can go with the changing someone to make them love you. Um, let's go with Tom Riddle, his dad, or his mom makes the dude fall in love, and then they have the baby. It didn't end well. She died. He ended up in an orphanage. Now he's Voldemort. You don't want to be a Voldemort. Don't be Voldemort. Change for yourself. Also, don't be an umbrage. That lady doesn't Oh, I know. I kind of go look on her just to see why the fuck she is the way she is. (laughs) Where did she go wrong? She was a Slytherin. I don't think that's even the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think she was destined to be a Slytherin because she's hardworking. What if she's an evil Hufflepuff? That just made my brain hurt. I can't say that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, no. She's one of the Hufflepuffs um, that went bad. Anyway, um, let's see. We did this one. Oh my god! Can we please talk about the end? We're I'm saying aunt. I never say I don't know. Aunt. It's because we read a Regency, and that's how we think it should be pronounced. Let's have a conversation about the coolest character in this book. The aunt. The aunt. We're from Arizona. We don't say aunt. We say aunt. Someone asked me, when your nephew's born, are you going to be auntie or auntie? And I was like, what? Because, like, I'm Hispanic, but we never called our aunts Tia ever. So I was like, I guess they're aunt. I'm Eshka. There's I'm not really anything yet because the most that my nephew does when he sees me is go because <laughs> I taught him that over summer she sent me a video and it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life and I loved every second of it because he's in like this mimicking stage and I was like oh my god I can make him do so much stuff and so unfortunately 
the thing that I time to do was the the blowing bubbles thing. Oh yeah. And so he'll do it when he's watching TV and he's by himself. And you hear him just like far away, so he's like <laughs> you know, changing it up. And he does it specifically when I'm there. I love it. And only Alicia was like he doesn't blow bubbles as much when you're not here. And I was like, oh, my oh, God. <laughs> that's so sad. That's an auntie cat thing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm known as Eshka. We'll see what I am. I have some limits. Um, I have some limits. Listen. <laughs> he will call me Eshka as well. That's all I can say. I'm Eshka to everybody's totally kids. Right. Yeah, he's just a giant chocolate baby. Okay, so we're talking about Aunt Mabel. Aunt Mabel was a feminist before feminist things were real. She's badass. And she has a BFF. But it's like Regency BFF. So it's like, we see each other when we summer together in like weird shit like that. Yeah. Um, so her BFF is Lady Ashley. And they are known for wreaking havoc on the ton. Like, so much scandal all the time. I love them. Well, and then Aunt Mabel has lovers that are much younger she's than her. A, she's like a cougar, and she always has, like, a new doorman or a new whatever. A new footman or that way. A new valet. And that's, man. like, her new lover. And it's so funny because no one seems to notice until they point it out. It's so, so Well, because funny. one of them comes out of her room when Astrid is trying to go in, and she's like, oh, <laughs> what? It's so good. But I think, um, like, their biggest like crazy thing they did was like they stripped naked and went swimming in a fountain or something when they were younger and everyone is like oh yeah Aunt Mabel's crazy right and then um, she's like oh I'm not crazy I just do whatever the fuck I want I love it it's fantastic well and then she's got she's the chaperone and she's supposed to be like there to make sure that nobody's doing what they're not supposed to be doing but she wholeheartedly encourages it most of the time it's almost like She's the person who's cheering for your best, living your best life. Yeah. No matter what that means. But she's also like, well, I have to look like I'm appropriate. But then she, like, wears scandalous clothing. She um, does cross-stitch because it's ladylike, but she only cross-stitches her current lover's penises onto things. I love the best it. thing I read in the whole book. I love, so I love inappropriate cross-stitch. Inappropriate craft time is just a great time. I... Specifically for me, though, inappropriate, like, cross-stitch is my favorite. So, I like, um, cross-stitched rap lyrics. Yes. That's one of my things on Pinterest I kind of dig. I can't do it. I am not good at one of it. One of my favorite ones is Littlefoot from Land Before Time, and it's a leaf, and it says, motherfucking tree stars, bitches. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, yeah, Aunt Mabel's kind of the shit. She's she's who you'd want as your chaperone because she'd be like, yeah, go make out in the hallway. It's fine. She could go have garden sex. Or she'd be like, you don't really like me. You should make out that guy. And you'd yeah. be like, all right, thanks. There's always, I found too, though, like in some of our favorite books and a lot of our favorite romances, there's always one family member that we love the most. Oh, definitely Aunt Mabel. Aunt Mabel is totally this one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I can pinpoint in most of the romances that we've read who my favorite family member is. And it's not even that that person is, like, exceptionally quirky. Like, she is for her time. Yeah. Right? Like, he hasn't gone skinny to be at Mabel, like, in 2020. Right. But, um, just the way that she just undeniably supported things. She's like, you know what? You should make Thane jealous. 
You should wear a sexy dress that's really full of cleavage. And she does. And it works, which is the funniest part. It was the best. It was, and it led to the garden sex. Uh, yeah. They had so sex good. in a garden, and it was good sex in a garden. This is actually some of the best romance sex scenes that we've read, not because of, like, the consent issue that we normally have, but because both characters were equally into it, and they weren't acting like dummies. I feel like in Regency, they often, they make it like the virgin lady knows nothing of her yeah. body. And you're like, and she's your like, body, you've touched it, I swear. She And she's, she is that. She is like, I know exactly what I like. Here's how to do it. Yeah. And he's like, alright, let's go. Let's and do it's it. It's not a big deal. It's the best. It was some really good sex scenes. I really enjoyed those. It's just important. It is very important. It's what else do we have on this list? I can't see oh it now. Oh my goodness. We have... Well, we talked about getting married out of spite, out of convenience, kind of. Yes, we did. Um, unworthy of love, you know, we talked about We talked about that one. Astrid's Feminist Essays. So, okay, so Thane goes through this whole thing where he's trying to win Astrid over because he knows he's been a giant douchebag. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I want to gift her something. And his ballet is like, you should gift her some property. Yep. First of all, his ballet is amazing. I love he's his so ballet. Funny. He's so sassy. And they're always like, you're fine. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> but um, so at the encouragement of his ballet, he purchases just, it sounds like it's just like a big building. And he takes her there. And she's like, why are you here? What's this for? Because they've done this auction, right? Mm-hmm. They've auctioned all of his dad's antiques. And a lot of that money is going towards this building. She's like, well, what's this for? And he was like, well, I told you I'd give you anything, mm-hmm. and you just never said what you wanted, but I thought you'd like this giant building to be yours. And she's like, mine? Why? Why would I need that? He's like, well, I thought you'd like to open a school for girls. And then at that moment, you're like, oh, my God, he did listen to her. Yes. He understands her. And for that time, to have a, like, a man say, I gifted you a building so that you could make this a school for girls. And I think, if I remember correctly, he, like, put it in her name mm-hmm. so that even if they were, like, fighting or something, it was still her holding, yep. right? Yeah. Which is really important because yeah. women didn't own property through much of the world's history. Yeah. Um, but he's, like, make it a school for, for women. Yeah. Make it a place that they can come and learn. And that's, like, super important to her because she's, like, really passionate about women of all levels of society being really well read yep, and just learning to read and then reading things written by women. And so it's like, she never asked for this. Nope. She maybe mentioned it and he was like, "Mm, whatever. But then when it comes time to have like this grand gesture, which we always talk about, there always has to be a grand gesture. Always. He hit it out of the park. That was... Of all the books we read, this is the one. Like, we, yep, that's what she wanted. We enjoyed the grand gesture so much in the Bromance Book Club that we named that episode, The Grand Gesture. It was so good. It was a great grand it gesture. so good. However, Thane's grand gesture in this, I think, far outweighs that. And that might just be because of the time period, and it might be because of the need that she had mm-hmm. for that. Versus the need for reassurance of love that we read about in Undercover Romance. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, there's all that. 
but it it shows that he appreciates Astrid's worldliness and her own education and her own backbone. Yeah. It's not like he's like, well, I made this school for you and you can run it in the meantime or whatever. Yeah. Which is also something I feel we read in Regencies where they're like, this will keep my wife busy. And this wasn't, this was never a moment where he was trying to keep her, keep Astrid busy. It was a, this is something that you're passionate about and I think you should go with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm gifting you this so that you can do that. Yeah. Um, not only that, but she is well read to the point where some, some, uh, essays, some feminist essays come out and it mm-hmm. comes out that Astrid wrote them. Um, Which is important. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, these essays came out at the time that Mary Shelley came out and said, oh, by the way, I'm the one who wrote Frankenstein, not some dude. It was me. So it was kind of a turning point in it's women. Just some of the most interesting factual stuff that's been put into a book. Yeah. Because that's true. Like, if you did, I assume that people know this about Mary Shelley and how she was bored of all the orgies mm-hmm. and just decided to invent a whole new genre. First off, can we talk about Mary Shelley as a person? Had she was just weird, even for now? Like, she was it. was she the one that um, had a human heart in her desk? Yeah, and yeah. she often worked on poisons and remedies. She also, her and her husband, I believe, both got, they, they did something in a cemetery. Yeah, they were weird. And it was because they were rich. They were those rich, eclectic weirdos. But they were so great. But, like, I always love that stupid music. like, Mary Shelley's bored of Lord Byron's dicks. <laughs> Sci-fi. Which no one gives her credit for, which is rude. It is very rude. Sci-fi was created by a woman. Don't fuck with it. But it's a very important distinction because for a very long time it was thought that her husband wrote it. Mm-hmm. And it's addressed in this book. Which it wouldn't have been back then. But it's important that it's addressed as a now book. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't want to be spreading untruths. No. No. Okay. We have one more thing. We have one more thing. The best thing of all. The thing that gave us the happies out of all of this. The thing that gives us the happies in every book, even if it's not a book we like. This had one of the most solid happily ever afters Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. And it included them having children. I don't normally like children. Ever in a book, (laughs) in real life. We know how I feel about that. It's just, it's one of those things where you want the happily ever after to be really good, and this kind of surpasses it, because it wasn't like they made up and they're okay now. It goes a step further, and they have children. Yeah. And they, every night, read their children, Beauty and the Beast, but it's in French. And it's adorable. Which is what Beauty and the Beast would be, and if we read it in its origination. In its true form. Mm -hmm. So, it's just really nice that it comes full circle. Um, surprisingly nice. Because when you look at this book, it looks like literally like every other Regency we've read. It's got the big dress and the naked chest. There's a clinch on the cover. Yeah. That's what it's called when they're about to kiss a clinch. Like, it's just... I am upset that we don't have a step back. Like, I wanted a step back. Can I just have, like, Thane's naked chest more? And we have Fabio thrusting his dick into her shoulder blades like that one I sent you earlier. Why, though? Because it's funny. 
understand. Um, you want to do ratings? Always. We always want to do ratings. One out of five stars, or out of five stars. What did you rate the Beast of Bestwick? I'm going to do a 4.5 today for Beast of Bestwick. The reason being, while I enjoyed it, as you can tell by all the commentary, (laughs) Yes. Um... Regency is still really hard for me mm-hmm. to just enjoy. Yeah. And I think part of that is because there's so much to keep in mind for Regency. Like, it's not just titles. It's titles and holdings and laws and marriage proposals versus dowries and just all kinds of stuff, right? Um, and I think that always detracts for me, but that's just because it's not my jam. Yeah, if I was super into Regencies, I would definitely give it a five. You know, if it was, like, something I would pick above more contemporary romance, then I would definitely give it a five. But, really good read. Um, I recommend it. I gave it a 4.25. Wow, we're getting very specific with our rating. But, Um, you know, why not? As we know, I don't like... Regency romances because the women can't wear pants and they don't have rights and I hate that <laughs> a lot um, yeah. and a lot of times the men in the books um, treat the female characters like they're nothing yeah I don't know who started that trend I don't like it I don't like it and I don't want to see it ever again Yeah. Um, but I gave this one a higher rating because I liked a lot about it mm-hmm. I liked a lot about it um, it was feminist as fuck. I kept um, telling you you're going to be surprised because you were so worried about it being a Regency, and I was like, I wanted to give it a try. I was like, just read it. <laughs> I think the problem is, is that I went in with very low, low, low expectations, mm-hmm. and I was blown out of the water. Cause, like, Which is just, never really a bad thing. No. Um, but in this case, I think I kind of expect you to go <laughs> low expectations based on the other Regencies we've done. Yes. Um, so I gave it a 4.25. I really enjoyed it. Um, I loved how feminist it was. Mm-hmm. I loved that we had two intelligent characters that we knew right off the bat were intelligent. And then we found out that we had Isabel, who was also intelligent. She wasn't just a dumb little sister. Um, we had a hilarious badass aunt. We had great side characters. Yeah. They were all fleshed out really well. I really enjoyed it. And the villain gets their come up. They do. And it's glorious. In like a really public kind of humiliating way. Yep. And it was fantastic in these kinds of books. It was great. It was fantastic. I really liked it. I'm really proud that I read it and I didn't bitch the entire time. (laughs) Um, I'm glad I liked it. Um, So join us next time. Um, which is immediately after eat, we eat dinner. <laughs> for us. For, for us. you guys, it's going to be next week. Next so, week. You know. um, so join us next time as we read Faker by Sarah Smith. Um, we're going to go back to a contemporary after this one. Um, really excited about that one as well. It's an enemies to lover, lovers, and uh, we all know how I feel about that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Join us next time as we read Faker by Sarah Smith and Bad bitches read romance. Bye. Bye.